You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 793 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is a Friday morning at this point, uh, late into the night here, I guess on Thursday evening for some, but the doubleheader for opening night in the NBA's bubble down in Orlando just concluded, and uh, I will have some thoughts on that here at the beginning. The second half of this podcast will also be my NBA awards ballot, essentially, since a few people asked me whether I'd be putting one out. I figured it'd be a good time to go ahead and do that as the bubble is ramping up. And also, as part of that, I'll answer a Hawk-specific mailbag question about awards, so stay tuned for that in a few minutes. But before we get to that, I did want to weigh in with a couple thoughts from tonight. Uh, just as a reminder, if you missed this, we had a two-part Western Conference preview from, with Robbie Callen this week. And uh, also earlier in July, Robbie was on for an Eastern Conference preview as well. And uh, obviously, the West was on full display tonight with four of the teams that are involved there. I'm not going to dive into the games, you know, every single night or every single every other night or whatever it's going to be. But because it was the opening night, and uh, you know, we'll have, I feel like talk about basketball. It's one of those things where uh, we'll chop up some of the stuff that's going on in Orlando along the way, even though the Hawks are not playing, just because it's of course relevant to uh, overall basketball stuff. So, first things first, it was really fun to watch NBA games that counted. Um, obviously, not not all of the play was fantastic. The first half of the Lakers game was kind of grueling uh, to watch. The first game was fun. Uh, I think there were some moments in that game early on when the Pelicans looked like they might run away and hide that it might get ugly, but the Jazz, of course, come back and make things happen. They figured out along the way they could attack the rim and kind of do that at will the entire game, and once they found that out, it was pretty much all Jazz the rest of the way. There was so much Jordan Clarkson in the game, which is always always fun in some ways, although he was pretty bad. It was just kind of funny to uh, watch that. Um, and as we, just, as we discussed with Robbie in the last couple of shows, the Jazz don't really have a whole lot of depth. They won that game, obviously, but uh, you can even see it in the box score if you look at it. They really have six guys. They, they have the five starters plus Clarkson, and that's kind of it in terms of guys that you would trust on a big stage. But still, managed, they managed to steal that win despite coming back from 16 down to uh, go ahead and do that. Nice plays, uh, more than one play, but especially the last play by Donovan Mitchell, who was uh, much better late in the game and had the heck of a find to go bear on the last possession of the game. And by the way, just kind of a mess from the Pelicans on that last possession of the game. Not not a horrible look for Brandon Ingram necessarily, because he can obviously make that. He is really long and can get a shot off, but they missed Redick pretty much wide open. And I can't imagine that's what Alvin Gentry drew up. Also, on the uh, Zion front, not a lot of minutes for Zion, which is not unexpected. It was kind of funny. The Pelicans went out of their way to talk up to not give out a minutes restriction for Zion. And then after the game, essentially, Gentry acknowledged that there was one. We all kind of knew that, but he was playing in short bursts and uh, not very much. Um, and honestly, you know, it was pretty bad from Lonzo Ball as well. And frankly, I don't want to make, make too much of it, but the, the Pelicans needed to win that game. Um, up 16, and they really have to go on a kind of a run here to make to make the playoffs if they care about that, and I assume they do. So kind of a bad loss in that way, as much as there possibly could be a bad loss after four months. I don't want to overstate it, but there was, it was one they probably needed to win. And, uh, you know, anyway, a fun night, a fun one to get things kicked off, obviously, and then the nightcap had much more attention on it, I would say, in terms of the matchup that everyone, everyone's been waiting for between the Lakers and the Clippers. Obviously there, um, as I mentioned before, the first half was kind of brutal to watch. Uh, Anthony Davis was great, especially in the first quarter. He had 14 points. 
LeBron, LeBron had kind of a slow start for him. The Lakers had full control up 12 in the early going at the end of the first quarter, but there were 26 free throw attempts in the first quarter, which is a just a, a ridiculous number. There were so many whistles. I thought it was kind of generally unwatchable before halftime, but the Clippers, to their credit, bounced back despite a ton of turnovers in this game, climbed all the way back from 13 down to take a... Actually, they went, they went up 11 in the third quarter um, with a 14-1 run. At one point, the Lakers scored five points in more than 10 minutes between the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Just a brutal stretch for them. But then a wild swing back to the Lakers going up double digits in the fourth, and the Clippers came back. So definitely uh, one of those classic quote-unquote game of run situations where uh, back and forth, back and forth, and then down the stretch, obviously it got it got tight. I do want to say uh, just a couple things about players. I'm not a Kyle Kuzma guy, as people probably know at this point, but listening to the podcast or following me on Twitter, but I thought he was really good um, defensively, even like flying around a little bit. Good to see him sort of embracing that. I'm not sure if it's going to last, but it was a good one one game sample for Kuzma fans. He was fitting in and playing defense and doing all things that all the things that he needs to do for them. Uh, Deion Waiters was good, actually, um, kind of surprisingly for the Lakers, giving pretty good effort on both ends of the floor. LeBron's defense was great in this game by his standards. When he's locked in, he's obviously really good, but he was locked in a lot in this one. And then Alex Crusoe had a big steal down the stretch. Um, by the way, Landry Shamit was the opposite for the Clippers. He was brutal. So was Avicii Zubac. Those two guys were not good. Um, Marcus Morris as well, not playing particularly well. Anyway, um, you have the big Paul George three to tie it late, then LeBron does what LeBron does, takes the lead back, and then sort of a weird slash bad possession by the Clippers at the end. Um, th- there was a shot off by PG, but not one you want necessarily. He wanted a foul call, but alas, there was some real drama despite it being a very, very long night. It was like a three-hour game, which is not what you want, I, th- I don't think, when you have a 9 o'clock start. But yeah, the official time of the uh, of the nightcap was 2 hours and 45 minutes for a non-overtime game, and that's just the game time. That, that does not start until the game actually starts. That's the official NBA box score game duration, so a pretty, pretty ridiculous length in terms of a game, and a lot of that was the fouls, obviously. By the time this game was over, there were 65 free throw attempts, just fouls upon fouls. Both teams had 25-plus fouls. It was just a lot of of whistles along the way, which is kind of unfortunate, but still a fun night of basketball, and that's my overarching takeaway here, is that the basketball was fun. We'll have tons more. Obviously, like Friday, the schedule is busy. There's a game at 2.30 on Friday in the afternoon, then two games at 4, and then one each in the night in the night windows. And then Saturday, it's like wall-to-wall. There's six games on Friday. Saturday, there's uh, there's sort of a game in every window, 1, 3.30, 6, etc. So plenty of basketball to watch, and it was a good sort of primer to get things going on this Thursday night. And if you didn't see it, hopefully that's a little bit of a catch-up for you. I do hesitate to go too deep because I'm sure every single NBA podcast will do a breakdown of what happened, so that's not why you come here necessarily. But alas, I wanted to weigh in, and I was watching the games and writing about the for dime, et cetera, et cetera. So there you go on that. Okay, before we get to my NBA awards thoughts, in the second half of the podcast, overall, a word from the good folks at MyBookie. Say it with me now, sports are back. We've all been waiting for this day since March, and now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind, and it's mybookie.ag. Mybookie is a home run, a slam dunk, and a triple overtime game-winning shot all wrapped into one, and mybookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams. With basketball, baseball, soccer, and more underway, there's never been a better time to start playing. With mybookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, and they pay. If you're feeling good about your favorite team's chances this year, be sure to check out mybookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows that you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season even starts or even after it's already been going. But why step with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking toward the future, and in this case, that means basketball, hockey, and football. 
MyBookie has already taken bets on all of your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. And if you join today, MyBookie will match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss you a free bet of $10 on any MLB future. All you have to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up to take advantage of this very generous offer. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are very, very simple. You bet, you win, and they pay. All right, as I said before, we'll get into uh, my brief NBA awards ballot at this point in time. Uh, as a reminder, if, I actually thought people might have been kidding, but I guess they weren't. I am not a voter. I do not have a vote. I wish I did. It'd be fun if I had a vote, but I don't, so just keep that in mind. Um, we'll sort of breeze through these as quickly as possible. MVP, I think, is fairly easy at the top. I think it's Giannis, pretty clearly number one. LeBron, pretty clearly number two. Not controversial, I don't think, in that way. From there, I would go with James Harden, three, then Kawhi Leonard at four, and Nicole Jokic. At five, I'm not married to four and five, honestly. I think I'd be fine with including guys like Damian Lillard or Anthony Davis, Luka Doncic, or maybe even Chris Paul if you want to get super weird. But uh, I'm pretty solid on the top three in that order of Giannis, LeBron, and Harden. Um, Rookie of the year, I think it's very, very easy at the top with John Morant. It would obviously have maybe been close if Zion played the whole year, but he didn't, and that's not how this works. Um, and as a result of that, Ja is sort of the I, – I, th- I think he should be unanimous. I'm, I'm not sure if he will be or not, but he should be. Um, I'm actually fine with leaving Zion off the ballot entirely, or if you want to put him on, probably number two overall. Um, that depends entirely on how you feel about the criteria, honestly. There's the the old Joel Embiid versus Malcolm Brogdon debate. I will say this. John Morant did a lot more this year than uh, Brogdon did in his rookie season, so I think Ja absolutely has to win. But with that said, um, you know the Zion thing is pretty interesting depending on what you would what you would think. Other than that, I think it's Kendrick Dunn or Brandon Clark in some order for the next two spots. Either that's two three or three four, or however you want to say that. A couple of other contenders, but those are guys I think were a little bit ahead of everybody else. Defensive Player of the Year. I would go with Giannis at number one. His numbers are unbelievable, both team-wise, rip protection-wise, just watching him, his versatility, he's just ridiculous. Uh, then Rudy, Rudy Gobert, who is still really good, especially in the regular season defensively, and I would go with Brooke Lopez at number three. Um, I would also consider Anthony Davis and maybe maybe a couple of, a couple of other guys, but I would uh, ultimately go with Giannis, Rudy, and Brooke Lopez. Coach of the year, I would go with Nick Nurse at number one. He's done a phenomenal job in Toronto after losing Kawhi. They were just still really, really good this year. Obviously, uh, number two, I would go with Mike Budenholzer, um, old friend, of course. Uh, obviously, it, I think it's, some people might overlook that because they were good last year, but the work that he's done since getting to Milwaukee is pretty ridiculous. I know they have a lot of talent, too, but uh, he's done a great job. And then from there, I would actually go with Taylor Jenkins, which is probably an off-beaten path thing. I know I might sound like a homer with the Hawks, former assistant. I like Taylor in Memphis, but the fact that he, he took the Memphis Grizzlies to – Maybe, maybe the playoffs. I know Ja had a lot to do with that, and but still, um, no one picked them to be anywhere near there, so I think he did a pretty good job there. I, I would also consider guys like Rick Carlisle in Dallas or Billy Donovan in Oklahoma City or Eric Spolstra. Um, a couple of other guys, too, as well. I'm, I'm only married to Nick Nurse and Bud as my top two. Uh, that third spot should be up for grabs, but I would go with Taylor Jenkins if you made me choose right now. Uh, Sixth man of the year is not my favorite thing in the world because, honestly, the guy who should win hardly ever wins. It's mostly an award about volume scoring. And if you're a listener to this podcast, you will know how I feel about volume scoring. (laughs) But with that said, there's always some interesting uh, debates here. My ballot would be Montrez Harrell, number one, the Dennis Schroeder, old friend, and then Lou Williams, another old friend, at number three overall. I would not mind 
a ballot that has Christian Wood on it. I think he was really good this year, but uh, I think it's pretty safe to go with Montrez, Dennis, and Lou in some order. I think Harrell was the best player of the three. Dennis is really good, though, honestly. If he wins, I will have no problem with that whatsoever. I think Lou has kind of just did a Lou thing, and that's, he was still very good, but um, I, I would rather have the other two guys, so uh, that's the order that I would go in with that one. Uh, most improved player, I hate this award always. I think it's just sort of arbitrary and silly. I think the normal course of events would mean that Brandon Ingram wins, and that's totally fine with me. He improved a ton. He was really good this year, so I'm fine if he wins. I think he's the favorite for a reason. Um, I think a bunch of like the, the second-year guys, like honestly, like Luke and Trey, would deserve consideration. Um, and I, But I, I, honestly, I hate it when second-year guys get in the mix here because they sh- they're supposed to improve. Um, also, I would point out Bam Adebayo, Christian Wood. Um, there are other guys who are worthy, but I, I would think Brandon Ingram would be number one for me, and I don't love that award anyway. It's my least favorite by a lot. All defense teams, I am uh, not going to go into this in depth because I suspect you probably don't care all that much about this. This is probably the most uh, under-discussed. I guess for diehards, people love talking about this, and casual fans, maybe not so much. But um, I'll, I'll just say this without giving up all my teams. Uh, I want Chris Dunn to make a team. He was incredible defensively this year. I know offensively he's very limited. But this is a defensive-only award. A lot of the times you have to be at least decent on offense to get consideration, but he should. Um, same thing with Gary Payton, uh, Gary Payton II, if he played more. But Chris Dunn played more than enough to get, to get on an all-defense team. He should definitely make it. Um, otherwise, a lot of the usual suspects like Rudy Gobert and Giannis, Kawhi, Marcus Smart should all be in the mix. I would also ride for Ben Simmons. On the defensive side of the floor this year, he was really, really good. So lots of different options, but uh, please put Chris Dunn on the off, on the all, all defensive team and uh, potentially on the Hawks <laughs> in the future. Okay, and finally, uh, my All NBA teams. I will go through all three real quickly here. First team, I think, is fairly easy. I want to say this as a caveat: the NBA changed and uh, made things a lot more versatile this year. They're still acknowledging positions in a way that people don't love. I think there's a movement that all NBA should be positionless. It's not that just yet, but honestly, they tried to get as close to that as possible. For reference, LeBron is eligible at guard this year. There are several guys who are eligible at guard and forward, and because it's um, you know guard, forward, center, that's pretty flexible. The funniest one is that Nikola Jokic is eligible at forward, um, which is insane. He, he never plays forward. He's a center uh, at all times. Um, I wouldn't vote him there anyway, but it's just kind of hilarious. It kind of tells you how flexible this all is. But you'll see as we get through the voting here, uh, at least for my voting, um, that the flexibility leads to some different outcomes than you might have expected before the NBA released the eligibility requirements at the positions. Anyway, first team, I'm going with LeBron and James Harden at guard because LeBron's eligible at guard. At forward, Giannis and Kawhi, and at center, Anthony Davis, who is eligible at center, even though he may not, he, maybe he shouldn't be, but I'm totally fine with it because I can use him here and cheat. Um, the only real debate for me, honestly, is Kawhi versus Luka Doncic. I think Luka probably would have made first team for most people if LeBron was not eligible at guard, and then it would have been uh, Kawhi probably getting bumped out in favor of LeBron and Giannis, but because LeBron's eligible at guard, you can push Luka to the second team. He actually didn't play as much as, uh, sorry, he played more than Kawhi, but not, not by much, and I think obviously Kawhi is still the better player of this, of those two guys. It might have been different if Luka played more, but there you go on that. Second team, Chris Paul and Damian Lillard at guard. I went with Doncic and Chris Middleton at forward and Jokic at center. I think Lillard is a no-brainer choice, second-team guard. And honestly, for me, I think Paul's an easy one, too. I'm sure people will not have Paul this high. I am on the record as thinking Chris Paul was incredible this year. Um, you saw what happened to the Thunder um, this year. They made the playoffs on a team that probably should have made the playoffs. He was really, really good. The numbers aren't quite as uh, prolific as some others, but he's still super efficient, and uh, I'm all in on that. 
at four. Doncic is, is a no-brainer. Um, Middleton gets the nod over a bunch of other guys who could have been here. I have no problem if you don't have Chris Middleton second-team All-NBA, but he was really awesome this year, and I'd like to reward him for that. His efficiency was crazy. He can really defend. He's on the best team in the league, and uh, I think I'm going to give him a slight edge over some of the other contenders for that. Again, no problem if you don't see that the same way. And then at center, Jokic is a pretty easy call. He would have been the first-team center if AD was not eligible at center, but Jokic was the best center in the league in terms of just being a pure center. Um, when, when you incorporate the... Uh, minutes and all that stuff, he has the best case at that spot. Third team, All-NBA. Um, this is where you get kind of creative because we can we can cheat. I'm basically putting four forwards on the list, and I'm allowed to do that because of the way that things break down. I am going with Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, and Pascal Siakam. Um, this is all pretty close, honestly. And um, for me, there are different guys who had different cases. We'll talk about this in a second, but guys like Trey Young and Kyle Lowry and maybe even Russell Westbrook all have cases. Bradley Beal, um, Devin Booker. There's plenty of guards who have real good cases that might get squeezed even more because they're allowed to vote for guys like Simmons and Butler um, at guard. But uh, Tatum and Siakam, obviously pretty deserving. Um, that's kind of a battle around how this is all going to go. Tatum, I think, could be overrated sometimes, but he was really good, especially the second half of the year. His defense was really good. At the beginning of the year, Siakam earned it with uh, being the number one option on a really good team, being really pr- really productive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, so I feel, I feel all right about this. There's definitely uh, a lot of flexibility that could go into those spots, and we'll touch on that more in a second when I answer a mailbag question that I got about Hawks and awards things. But that's where I would land. Again, if I did this tomorrow, I might change my mind and go with Lowry or go with Trey. Um, it's pretty close, I think. But uh, given that I like defense quite a bit, uh, going with Simmons on a, on a All-NBA team makes sense to me. I know people will probably hate that, but that's fine. But it was really good this year for Miami, et cetera, et cetera. And again, uh, for the record, Trey was probably 7th or 8th for me among guards with Kyle Lowry, uh, sort of those two guys side-by-side side ahead of Russ and ahead of uh, ahead of Beal. But um, because of not – honestly, without the flexibility uh, at positions, you could have seen – because as you probably figured this out, the only pure guards that I think you have to have ahead of Trey Young um, are uh, James Harden, uh, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, and uh, Luka if he's a pure guard. Everybody else – that, that puts Trey in that like five to seven range. But because you can include LeBron and you can include guys like Jimmy Butler at guard, it becomes a little bit more difficult. Anyway, um, I'm going to answer one question here before we get out of here. It sort of ties everything back together with from a Hawks standpoint, and it comes from Bernard, who says, Forgive me if you've already answered this already, but after seeing a bunch of writers release their awards ballots, it doesn't seem like the Hawks have much of a chance to win anything this year. Am I wrong? And if and if not, what is Atlanta's best chance at an award or a inclusion on a team of some sort? Again, uh, first, I, I will say that I would project the Hawks to go home empty-handed, honestly, from awards this season. Last year, of course, Trey Young was an absolute lock for first-team All-Rookie, and he ended up finishing second in the the Rookie of the Year. He was, I think, unanimous or close to it for first-team All-Rookie. And then Kevin Herter actually snuck in at the end of the second-team All-Rookie. So there were two guys that made teams formally last year on the NBA's ballots. Um, This year, I think basically the contenders that are possible for the Hawks to get any sort of league-wide um, inclusions are Trey having a chance at 13 all NBA for sure and then uh, 
Also, maybe most improved player stuff for Trey. He could be in the mix there. And then Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter for all rookie teams. I don't really see anybody else make, being in the mix. Not Lloyd Pierce. I don't think the de- there's anyone on the, on the all-defensive radar. So keep that all in mind. Uh, there was a straw poll about Trey from Fred Katz of The Athletic. It was not about Trey. It was actually about Bradley Beal. But he uh, polled, I think it was 29 of uh, registered voters, essentially, for the NBA. And only three of them had Trey on their ballots. So I think he's probably not going to make it, to be honest with you. Um, I do think that the positional distinctions really hurt him in that way. Also, of course, the team and the lack of success. But having guys like LeBron and Simmons and even Jason Tatum, by the way, available at guard, all those guys are, uh, you know, being able to be guards is going to probably take some votes away from him. From what I'm seeing in here, I think Paul's kind of a lock. And then you put Young in the mix with Simmons and Butler and Tatum and Beal, Westbrook, Booker, Lowry for only two or three spots. And that's that's kind of a tough a, t- a tough battle because of the fact that the Hawks were the worst team of all of this. Now, I'm not telling you that team success should be dictating this, but I just know how this works. And if you listen and read about all the things that have, they're going to a lot of these voters, people really care about team success. And that's going to hurt Trey pretty obviously in the voting. Now, it's definitely not impossible that Trey makes it. And I think, honestly, he was the best offensive player of any of the guys that I just named. Like, if you line it up on offense this year... And it's Trey versus Ben Simmons or Jimmy Butler or even Jason Tatum or Westbrook or Beal or Lowry. I think Trey's the best offensive player this season. He did he did more on offense uh, and also did it efficiently than any of those guys. So if it's an offense-only award, Trey would have gotten the nod there for me anyway because I think the combination of him playing a lot of minutes uh, and just carrying a massive workload and doing it efficiently was huge. Now, the problem is he's the worst defender on the group. Um is he that much worse than guys like Beal and Westbrook? I would actually say no. But when you compare him to guys like Tatum or Simmons or Butler or Lowry, the gap is obviously massive on that end of the floor. So, um, again, like like I said, if it was just the old way, I would have had Trey like somewhere in the 5-7 to seven range among guards. If you throw in a couple of guys who are multi-positional, I think I'd probably have Trey 7 or 8. That's not a knock on him. He was awesome this year, and I think he'll be a fixture in the future on these teams. But, uh Ultimately, I would think he's not going to make it if I was if I was projecting, even though it's not impossible. The other one is Reddish and Hunter at all rookie spots. Honestly, I don't think either one of them has even a chance at first team. That shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. And honestly, I would guess right now that neither makes the second team either, although that would not surprise me. All rookie is positionless, which is important to point out. There are some locks. I think Zion Ja, Brandon Clark, Kendrick Nunn, Eric Paschal are pretty much locks. I think there's other guys who I'm expecting to make it over uh, Reddish, and, Reddish and Hunter, and that's Terrence Davis, uh, Tyler Hero, Kobe White. I think those guys are probably uh, going to have easier inclusions in terms of the voting that I've seen so far. That means two more spots between the two Hawks guys, P.J. Washington, Rui Hachimura, Matisse Teibel, Kevin Porter, R.J. Barrett, and maybe a couple of others. Um, if the season started January 1st, I think Cam Reddish would definitely make it, probably on the second team, but still would have been in the mix. But because of the... Um, the numbers that he posted early on, people, a lot of people, honestly, a lot of people that are voting for this are going to look at the numbers before they do anything else, and they're going to see Cam's underwhelming shooting percent- shooting percentages. And I'm not defending that, but that's just kind of the reality of, what, of how this works because he was on a bad team that th- that probably didn't get washed a whole lot by national people um, in the second half. I think his defense was really good from moment one, as I've said for a long time now. But 
I, again, I think if the season started later, he would have probably had a chance, but the early portion probably dinged him too much to get an inclusion. Um, Hunter actually might have the better traditional case of how the voting usually works because he actually has some statistical things that would be in his favor. For instance, he led, he led, he led all rookies in minutes. That includes Ja and everybody else um, by a lot, honestly. He also finished in the top eight in both points and rebounds. And um, that shouldn't dictate everything, but it sometimes does for voting. Uh, people are lazy on all rookies sometimes. Also, he shot the ball decent enough. His efficiency was not off the charts good, but it wasn't like disastrously bad either. I don't think either one's going to make it, honestly, just judging by the way the voting usually goes. But I think Hunter actually might have a better chance than Reddish, which I'm sure will uh, bother some Hawks fans. But if you just look at the way that all rookie usually breaks down, um, the combination of better counting stats and better shooting efficiency probably points it in Hunter's direction if you have to make me choose one. But... Ultimately, I think the Hawks get shut out here. Uh, it's probably a battle, again, between Trey, third team, All-NBA, maybe a third place, uh, most improved player award kind of pursuit, and then the two guys battling for All-Rookie. So hopefully that answers the question, Bernard. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to do all uh, All-NBA stuff and all the voting, but people enough people asked, probably five, six people asked what my ballot was. I didn't want to write it. So here we are on the podcast delivering that on this fine Friday. So thanks as always for listening to the podcast. We will see everybody next week unless there's something major in the works, but please subscribe. Please tell a friend or two or three, and we'll see you in a few days. Enjoy the basketball this weekend.